Welcome to the MediaCasters with your business besties, Karina Belizzi and Julie Loken. In every episode, you'll get behind-the-scenes access to experts who share their struggles and successes in podcasting, publishing, and presenting. So grab a pen, grab your bestie, and kick it with Karina and Jules. All right, we're kicking it. Hi, Jules. We're kicking it. And I feel like we are kicking it to someone that's amazing, doing amazing things. Also, as I just did some research, is the namesake of a Fleetwood Mac song called Rhiannon. Hey, which we will get into because we're even going to talk a little bit about TikTok and going viral. Wow. Um, today, you are going to get to meet Rhiannon Men. She is a mama, a chef, and an adventurer. She loves decaf, decaf coffee. I like wow. mine with caffeine. Traveling and super fuzzy sweaters, which she unfortunately can no longer wear since she left New England and is living in the beautiful islands or on the beautiful islands of Hawaii. Oh. Now, this is the founder of Lasagna Love, and mm. we're going to get to talk to her about what it took to take a grassroots community effort to a national stage and even go viral. So without further ado, let me bring her up to stage. What do you say, Jules? Let's let's kick it. Let's kick it. With Rhiannon. Hi, Rhiannon. Hey, friends. How are you? We are great. Oh, you're calling in from Maui, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're doing better uh, yeah it is good weather here, but i hear it's i hear it's good weather at least yes, for you, Jules. it is beautiful it is in the 70s in chicago and what else oh rhiannon said she can sing by the way i just saw that she can sing and it is beautiful here but most of the year i am just wanting to be on maui with you eating lasagna <laughs> open invitation i'll cook for you any night you come here thank you yeah, I think one of the things that you and I initially connected on when I brought you on for episode 10 of Care More Be Better was your love of cooking and getting your kids into the kitchen with you. Now, I think all of us have had more time at home this last few years, and that's part of the birth of your your company. So talk to us about it. What got Lasagna Love started? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Lasagna Love I started in, in my kitchen. I say it, it was a giant accident. Um, I, I love to cook. It's my happy place. My toddler, who was three at the time when COVID started, feels the same. And so when when COVID began, um, we were living in San Diego and everything in California just shut down overnight. No, you know, we didn't go out to grocery stores. Um, the parks were closed. And I think we felt, I felt very helpless and very much like what could I do to support, especially the other moms in my community, some of whom lost jobs early on or were just really struggling with all of a sudden schools closed and they have kids at home and no childcare and how do they balance all of that? And so I posted on a few uh, moms groups on Facebook just saying, hey, like, I've got time, I like to cook, uh, it helps me, it helps you, like, let me make a meal for you, I'll drop it off to you contactless. And that first week I had seven moms who raised their hand and said, yeah, that would be great. And uh, it just really went from there. And um, as you know, you know, it went a little bit viral over the summer and fall. And uh, we ended up now we have over 30,000 volunteers in three countries all making lasagnas. We are, we're almost a million people fed. It's just it's completely blown up. And I never, never expected that this would be where I would be sitting in 2022. Are you just in so much shock? It was just a passion project with your toddler and it became something more than you ever expected. Yeah, I think shock would require me actually sitting back and registering what's happened. And I, I, 
I, for some reason, I, I just sort of keep going forward. It's all, there always feels like there's more moms to help and more people to cook for and more people to feed. But when I, when I force myself to sit and really think about the movement, at, you know, as you said, Corinna, that we, we felt that the word that you used, I mean, it, it is a, it's, it's a total shock of, you know, how, how could this have come from just one simple act of kindness? And I think it just goes to show how many other people in the country and in the world um, are feeling the same way that they they want to help, they want to do something, they just don't know how, and they need that opportunity to be put in front of them to just take that first step. I'd be curious. Does that feel familiar? To, like, how did how did you guys feel at the beginning? No. Does that feel familiar? Um, it does not feel familiar. I mean, going viral <laughs> and like starting a huge business. Although I did, I have a coaching business, but I've never had viral recognition from social media as you have. And I think you were just meeting a need that was really, people were yearning for that connection, even when we felt there was no connection at all. I mean, or even just thinking about all the young moms at home who are having to have babies in the midst of COVID and feeling isolated from everybody when that happened. Did you have one, Rihanna? Yeah, I'm I'm in that club. Yeah, we had a we have a uh, he just turned one about three four days ago. That must have been so strange just to have a baby and like your husband could come. I'm guessing, but nobody else. He was allowed. No one else was, but everybody was in masks. Um, no doulas. No third party. No like it was. It was a very different experience than my first two. Wow. But yeah, I think you're right. You know, people really yearning for that connection because we we were all feeling very, very disconnected. And a lot of people, I think, flock to social media to fill that void, but it doesn't always do it. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a positive way, but there's also, there's other paths people can go down on in social media. And this was a very positive, uplifting, empowering path that people on both the recipients and volunteers could both Mm -hmm. really identify with and and stick to. Um, I think we, we, we wondered if once the pandemic was, you know, air quotes over, if people would still stay engaged Um, and we keep growing. So I think that it's not just you know, the desire for connection wasn't just COVID related. I think mm-hmm. there's a genuine desire to really like step out and support people who need it. How did you know that you hit on some gold? Oh, I didn't. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, I think the first, the first time I really realized was uh, this would have been September. I remember sitting in my car and I got a call from a producer um, from the Today Show. Oh, um, Wow. Like we're doing this good neighbor day celebration. We're bringing on a bunch of people who are good neighbors. You know, we're thinking you guys might be a good fit. You know, let's just chat about it. And I, you know, I have a, my husband took a video of me sitting in our camper van in in the parking lot and me, my voice very calm and my body like, Oh my God, what's happening right now. And and I think that was when I realized that this wasn't, this wasn't just, I mean, yes, we had gotten a lot of volunteers and we had expanded to a few States, but it was really something bigger than that and something bigger than me and bigger than what I had ever sort of envisioned. Um, and that, and that's, I mean, that is what took us to the next level was we went from 500 to 5,000 volunteers in the span of a few weeks. This is so fascinating. Someone that is just doing good. You are a do-gooder as Karina likes to say, but I mean, <laughs> was there a ultimate plan? This is what I love to hear. I know. And I think that's, but that's part of, you know, I've, and people have asked me, you know, how do you, can you like put a framework around how to build a movement? And there are certain tactical steps that I can say, yes, like do this thing, then do this thing. But I think part of what resonated in part, part of why it became a movement was the authenticity behind it. I didn't set out to, I didn't start out wanting to found a nonprofit or a business. I just 
wanted to cook for people. And I think people saw themselves in that role. And I think if I had said, okay, like I'm going to incorporate, I'm going to get 501c3 status and I'm going to start, you know, making meals and putting advertisements, it would just wouldn't have felt the same. And so I, I think movements have to be built on something genuinely, genuine and authentic. And that's part of what gives it so much power is that people see that and say, oh, like I see myself in that person, not just, I want to do that thing. Does that make sense? Or is that like, crazy talk it's it's crazy and it makes sense <laughs> crazy and also makes sense <laughs> but if you go from 500 volunteers to 5,000 overnight that's growing tenfold wow. and you can't really plan for something like that especially in your situation but you did no. something really unique I think at that point in time because often especially in the world of not-for-profits people just think oh well I just need more volunteers I need more of this I need more of this I need more of this and that doesn't necessarily get you to a point where you're able to actually scale for growth right so exactly. you reached out to people at MIT, some students at MIT and said, help build me a matching tool so that I don't yeah. have to do this all manually. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Like whose idea was that? How did you get there? We were doing everything manually. I literally, I, I joke about it, but it's true. I built this on Google Sheets and Zapier. Like I, we had 500 volunteers, each with their own Google Sheet. We were using Google Maps every week to like find, to match people. And I mean, it was it was amazing that it scaled even to that degree, but it was definitely like on the tipping point of this is, this is going to break sometime soon. Or it will break you trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, also true. So I got, I just, I had to, and I, I am, I write about asking for help and accepting help. And we talk about the things that we've had to walk through ourselves. Right. So I am one of the worst people at asking for help when I need it. And in that moment, I, I knew if, if we were going to be able to impact more people, I would need help to do it. And so we put a call out to our volunteers to say, hey, like who can step up into a leadership role? I can't match 500 volunteers by myself each week. And so that was one piece of it. Um, and the other piece was how do we replace this, this manual system? Like, what does that even look like? And I met somebody through um, a Facebook group. Um, he ended up, ended up, we both actually went to MIT Sloan a few years apart, but he was still very connected to um, the leaders in global oper operations program there. And so he reached out to some people in that department and said, I have an amazing action learning project. We need to build something that does this thing for this amazing organization. You know, who wants to raise their hand? And a group of students uh, got really excited about it. And so they formed a team and we spent the, the fall building an algorithm that basically has a whole bunch of different technical components, but basically says, okay, here's your, here's all the people who need lasagnas and here's all the people who want to volunteer this week. How can we optimize and match the most people possible based on all of the different preferences for vegan, vegetarian, and how far do you want to drive and how many do you want to make? And that I mean, completely changed, changed the way we were able to scale where we could scale tenfold. Otherwise, you know, we would have, we would have, there's no, no, no possible way we could have uh, gotten to where we are today. Right. Um, so the algorithm was one piece of it. And then we had another volunteer who raised his hand to build us an actual online portal that would house that algorithm and wow. have tools for volunteers. So, you know, it wasn't a Google sheet each week. Now every volunteer has their own portal that they log into that has their settings and their match information. So, I mean, we're actually, I would say we're actually a very like tech nonprofit more than anything, or like a tech platform, um, even though it doesn't look at, like it from the outside. So how many lasagnas now have been baked? I asked you this question uh, <laughs> over a year ago. So I'm like... officially on the books, 215,000, I believe. Wow. Uh, wow. And then a bunch more through events. And then I swear every week I see hundreds of people posting saying I didn't get a match. So I cooked a lasagna for 
my neighbor, my friend, my mother, my, you know, my, my, the fire station down the street. So there are so many that go unaccounted for, but officially 215,000. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry right now. But I, you know, I'm curious because you've had exponential growth. You've had exponential growth. And I know that is one of the detractors for thriving businesses. So yeah. many businesses fail because they grow too quickly. Mm-hmm. And you've done it. What is your key to success, if you will? I would say two things. The first, and I think the most important is early on build systems to replace yourself. So this came from, I learned this. I did a coaching course with a really fantastic guy named Tim Uchuk. He does something called the perfect week. And he teaches you how, like, how do you Take what you're doing and put it into a system so you don't have to do it every day. And this could be seriously something as simple as, you know, a request comes into the inbox and we send them an automatic response saying, we'll get back to you in 24 to 48 hours, right? Or it could be as complex as, you know, now when somebody signs up to be a leader, you know, we don't, usually there's like a lot of paperwork around that. All of that is now automated through Zapier. So they fill out a form, it automatically sends them an NDA, it sends them our core values, it sends a notification to the right team. So all of that is happening in the background. And I don't have to be doing that anymore. If I had to still do, and if my team had to do all of that stuff, we wouldn't have time to like think about, are we going to expand to the UK next or South Africa? Are we going to, you know, like all the big picture stuff, we wouldn't, we would lose sight of that. And so whatever you're spending your time on, like value your time highly. And if what you're spending your time on isn't high value, like figure out a way to get it done automatically. Um, there's a lot of really cool tools out there that can help you with that now. Um, and I think the second thing is just around mindset. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about throwing up your hands and like, this is fascinating and the art of possibility, but it's every time I hit a roadblock, I could have been stopped. And like, there were so many roadblocks early on. And instead of saying, oh, like, this is really hard. I'm going to go like nap on the couch or just give up. It was, this is fascinating. This is amazing. This is this great challenge. How do like, how do we see this as an opportunity? What can we learn from this? How can we use this to grow and do better and feed more people? Oh my God. I know I was thinking, Karina, I was like, Karina, like all this advice, we need to replicate ourselves. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And the art of automations and using yeah. automation to do the things that we can't do. Well, and it's gotten so much easier now that like it used to, you have, you used to have to be a developer to do this. And now there's mm-hmm. so many tools out there that like, I never took a computer science course and I still can figure it out. Right. right. And Zapier connects to so many different web platforms. Mm-hmm. So you can do a lot with it. I don't even know Zapier. So can you tell me what Zapier is? <laughs> I mean, I've <laughs> seen it. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's called, like, this is again, like, you'll be able to tell that I'm not a tech person. I think it's called a no code platform or a low code platform, but you basically can take any app that you use in the world. So say like you use WooCommerce for your online store, or you use Google Sheets to like save information, or you use DonorBox for donations if you're a nonprofit, whatever it is, you can take one app and like use information from it to tell another app to do something. So I can say, oh, okay, I just got this order from WooCommerce. Fantastic. I'm going to drop in that order information into a Google Sheet. I'm also going to have it automatically send an email to my e-commerce manager telling her to ship the stuff. I'm also going to have it automatically like do this profit calculation. So I know if like this item is doing well in the store 
And I'm going to let like the customer support team know if there's an issue with this person's credit card or something's on back order, right? That used to be somebody logging in and like looking at every order and saying, okay, like, what do I do with this one? But now it just... It literally happens without anybody thinking about it. Right. I mean, we could use the example of the network we run, the Mighty Networks. And when we go up a tier, Jules, then we can actually have Zapier oh. do half the stuff that we already manually do. Because it's it's one of the reasons to consider doing that. Like we're at the base package, right? But the moment we go up, then we can start to offer courses through the platform and we can integrate with Zapier and do a lot of other neat little bells and whistles things. But what we've talked about so far really does have to do with being able to scale quickly, right? But also the fact that you have essentially been able to leverage this going viral to go through media and to do things like speak with the Today Show or go on NBC and all of that. So I'd love for you to talk about your perspective of what it took to get there and what it was like for you starting out as someone who hadn't interfaced with media in this way before. Yeah, so much to say here. Let's see where I start. So in terms of, I would say the how, the how to actually get connected to those places is I wish there was a magic formula. We were lucky enough that we had volunteers who worked in PR. We have one woman, amazing woman, Wendy, who has her own PR firm and just really fell in love with our mission and was like, I will contact everybody for you. That's how we got connected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, Wendy. And so- you know, when you have somebody like that behind you who just truly believes in what you're doing, who's willing to make those connections, there's no value. Like, I can't even place a value on, on what she's been able to do for us. But, you know, not everybody, not everybody has a Wendy. Not everybody can afford a PR firm. So, I mean, we have an outreach director who's a volunteer, and she just cold emails random people, like, she, like anybody. You're like, hey, like, I want to sing Humble and Kind with Tim McGraw for World Kindness Day. And she'll be she's like, all right, I'm going to find his email, right? Like, it's... It's just really, it's it's the grit and the hustle of, of just tracking down the right people in the organization through LinkedIn or, you know, whatever tools you have and just like being okay, making the ask and hearing a lot of no's and that's totally fine because eventually you're going to get a yes and that yes could be the thing that breaks you through. And maybe you have to send a hundred emails and you get one response, but those hundred emails were worth it because that one person can really put you on the map. That's my, I guess, the, the biggest thing. Um, in terms of how to get prepared, I... That I just, it's just practice. If I look back at my first couple interviews that like the local news stations, I'm like, who is that person? Like who trained her, right? But you'll just get better at it. You get used to like, what's your story? What are the things that are important to you? And I spent a lot of time, I still do spend a lot of time writing. You know, I write, try and write like what's going on in Lasagna Love? What am I feeling? What are our core values? How did we get here? And the more I can process that for myself, the more I can share it with people who maybe might find that information really, really helpful or valuable. But articulating it for yourself is, I think, really, a really important step. And then I wanted to lead into one other topic that I think is going to be on everybody's minds, but that is what it takes to really get attention on TikTok. And <laughs> before we started this conversation today, yes. I got an email from your team saying that you had really big news to share. Oh, why don't you just share that news with us and then we can dive into to how this exactly works. How big of news could can this be? I'm gonna caveat this by saying we're I am by no means a TikTok. I'm just I'm not that person. So um I, I I'll share what we did and what I do know, but there are better people out there to talk about TikTok and, and going viral. But we um 
the, so the exciting news is we found out a couple weeks ago that we won a $100,000 grant because of a TikTok video we put together, which is to, still bananas to me. The grant was from KFC. They were doing a giving challenge and looking for nonprofits in the food insecurity space to make TikTok videos. And then they picked 12 finalists and they then they all went to a public vote and whoever got the most votes won. And, and we have an amazing volunteer base and a bunch of recipients who really love us. And so we um, we won the grand prize, um, which I made a KFC inspired lasagna as a thank you to KFC, which we can, we can talk about later. But TikTok is a hard one to crack because it's so different from the platforms that we're used to. But I can't even say the video went viral. We just got really lucky that we put together good content. And we had a lot of people on our, I mean, a lot, like five or six people, which for our our volunteer bases who, who aren't on TikTok, like getting five or six people to all post for one challenge and one hashtag is a lot. And, you know, we just put together these really cute clips and use the music. And I, I think the the... The, what's gotten us visibility on TikTok is partnering with influencers who are already really big on there. And so, um, you know, there's one one woman, I think her name is Jessica Wu, who posted about us back in December as part of a, a campaign with LG. And we still get people who are who are following us and coming to us because they really loved her video. She was really authentic and she has a really big and really engaged and really dedicated followership. And so, you know, if you're trying to break into the TikTok market, I would say find somebody who's doing it well, who likes what you're doing and see if they're willing to just like give you a shout out or talk about what you're doing. And that's what, sort of what gets people to come to see you. I think that's great advice. I mean, the reality is we all want to, I think, be seen more than we are yeah. in the daily. And I'm personally just getting my start on TikTok. And I did interview somebody who's doing a lot more there. And they're saying, oh, we post three to five videos a day because posting yeah. three to five videos a day is tends to be what it takes to emerge on that platform. So I just am curious for, for you, like, are you personally taking a walk into this space? Because I know you also run your own Instagram with Be Good to Mama, among other things. I'm not, to be honest. I think there are so many social media platforms out there now that I think it's actually really important to know what to say no to. And this goes, this is for business and strategy in general is, you know, I am one person. I like, I can't be on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, like I, I just, I would lose my mind or I'd have to pay somebody full time or multiple people. You know, when we started on TikTok back in the fall, we, the only reason we got on it was because, you know, we did this campaign with LG and a lot of the influencers that they wanted to use were on TikTok. And we said, okay, cool, we'll give it a shot and see if our people are there. Our people aren't like we've gotten some followers, but the number of followers and volunteers that we've gotten through, even through YouTube and you know, Facebook and Instagram just blows away what we've gotten. And we had big influencers, really big influencers posting about us on TikTok. And we got a couple of people and that was wonderful. And we're super grateful for that. But it's just not where it's not where we're going to get volunteers from. It doesn't matter how many sort of videos we make. So it's a place that we we post every once in a while to keep our people there um, engaged and random things like this, you know, KFC giving challenge. Like I'll, I'll be on TikTok for a hundred thousand dollars. It sounds great. But um <laughs> But, you know, I think, you know, we have we have to focus our energy to where we're going to get the most impact. And that for us is more Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and even a little bit of Pinterest. Yeah. And you're talking about the Facebook groups, too, right? Like you have a lot of Facebook groups that are being run that are yeah. regional. Yep. Yep. And so that takes uh, I mean, that, that takes effort more on the part of our local leaders. But I would say it's totally OK to say no to a platform if you try it and just it doesn't 
it doesn't feel good for you or it takes too much time or you're just not getting the response that you want. Even if it's the exciting and sexy and new platform. Exciting and sexy and new. I mean, we're all, <laughs> we all love to chase those shiny objects, but I've always been of the ilk that social media, we don't own that land. It is more about our website and our mm -hmm. email. And I think you've kind of proven me wrong. I don't know. I mean, I know that you have a duality in terms of harnessing volunteers as well as growing the phenomenon that is lasagna love. But, you know, I, is it a dash of luck? Is it a sprinkle of good fortune? Is it a cup of, you know, je ne sais quoi? See, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing my um, French again for Karina because she's French. <laughs> je ne sais quoi? It's the something special. I, it, because I feel like it's a roll of the dice with social media, but yeah. you are doing it right, but you are doing it with purpose. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, we were, we were born on Facebook, right? Like this lasagna love wouldn't exist if it weren't for Facebook groups. Like that's mm -hmm. how that, that's where I was posting. And so that's organically just kind of how we grew was volunteer leaders then posting in their Facebook groups because mm -hmm. we knew it worked. And so because so many of our volunteers reached us through Facebook, I mean, it's it, it's just kind of, it's a self-perpetuating cycle, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think if we were a movement born somewhere else, it would be a very different story. So you got $100,000 from Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm -hmm. What strings are attached to that, if any? No, none. So, I mean, it's program spending, which is all we really do, most of what we do anyway. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's unrestricted funding is hard to come by and it's glorious. When wow. You do. <laughs> That's like, what I'm right. saying, you know? You're like the golden child there. <laughs> uh, it's also, I mean, it's not repeatable, right? Like I can't count on that every year. Um, well, it, it, I don't know. It Maybe certainly, <laughs> it certainly helps for, it certainly helps for this year. Um, and if you haven't, so we we uh, we put out a speaking of social media platforms, we just got on YouTube a f like maybe a couple months ago um, as a way to diversify revenue streams, which as a nonprofit, not I think is is especially important because you're so reliant on on donors. And so we put together a you know most of our videos we like made like a a matzo lasagna for Passover and you know green lasagna roll ups for St Patrick's Day, and they've gotten you know a couple hundred views, but the KFC inspired lasagna hit 10,000 views in a day. So I think we've, we found our niche is lasagna is made out of unexpected lasagna ingredients. <laughs> or fast food. And so you're tying into something that I think is just fun because people like these little mashups, so to speak. So yeah. you're, you're doing something interesting and fun. Now, Rihanna, the first TikTok video that I knew to go viral was that ocean spray one where the gentleman was like riding the skateboard? I and... know this. I know this one. You have to go look it up now. Yeah, well, I brought it up because it was a Fleetwood Mac song. And oh. it turns out, what, Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac? And were your parents Fleetwood Mac fans, Rhiannon? They were. They So I have heard two stories. And to this day, I'm not sure which is true. So when I was a kid, my mom used to tell me that she really liked the history behind the song. So Rhiannon was written about... Um, she was a, a Welsh princess from mythology who was falsely accused of being a witch and sentenced to death. And it turns out her midwives framed her and her prince figures out the plot and rescues her and happy ending. But my um, my family goes back to the Salem witch trials. And my mom really liked the parallelism between wow. the story of Rhiannon, you know, the falsely accused, accused witch, and then Giles Corey, the falsely accused witch in our ancestry. And so she was like, yeah, I really just really liked that and gave you the name. And then my now husband asked her a few years ago, oh, so yeah, Rhiannon. She's like, yeah, we just really like the song. 
Yeah, the first story was way more um, compelling. And right? you look like a Rhiannon, though. I was going to say, oh, like, they did good. Oh, what do Rhiannons look like? I'm just you. curious. I, I okay. see like, <laughs> a, like an Irish princess, something like that. But oh, I'll take it. All right. That's amazing. I mean, you've had luck from the moment you were born, just just being who you are. And this is a story to inspire everyone that is listening because everyone hopes and dreams, but I know you are doing such good. You're changing people's lives. I guess I think everybody wants to know what is your recipe for lasagna? Like what is the recipe, the go-to recipe? Besides love is the main ingredient. Love. Oh, I love that. <laughs> of course it is. It feels different. If you cook with intention, it, it tastes different on the um, other end. I don't know, Rhiannon. Like, I try that. It just doesn't work in my house. <laughs> okay, I've tried. But my family loves – I was going to – I told Karina before we got on, I was going to tell you my secret ingredient for lasagna because yeah. my whole family loves it. I put a lot of sugar in it. I put a lot of really? sugar in the ricotta. And it cuts, like, the acidity of the, of the tomato. And okay. it's, I don't, that's the one thing – that's maybe the only thing my kids like to eat that I make. Otherwise, they're like, right. oh, I'll have to, I'll test it out next time. My secret them. ingredient is um, actually it's, it's sh <laughs> shredded zucchini and yellow squash. I, so I grate it up and I mix it in with the mozzarella cheese to make it, because lasagna is not the healthiest, right? So it, it, like, I feel like it gives it a little kick of nutrition for, especially for kids who are veggie picky. And Can you taste it? You can't tell. No. And that's why it's beautiful. It like melts in with just more fiber and, and yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Like I just grate it like on a, I mean, now I use a Cuisinart because if you're making 10 at once, you can't really hand grate that. Wow. Um, yeah. It works really well. You can do it in quesadillas too. Just grate carrot, not, not, probably not carrots. They're a little thick unless you sauteed them, but yeah, great zucchini or squash or like a soft vegetable and mix it in with the cheese. And Yum. your kids are like, this is great. You're like, ha ha ha. I gotcha. Yeah. And I have four boys and Karina has two boys. Is there any way we could get one of your recipes and put it in the show notes or oh my gosh, are yeah. they secret? Totally. No. I, are you kidding? I, it's okay. like, I, I, fine, Karina. I think we have to put the KFC one in the show notes too. <laughs> yeah. My kids yes. would definitely like the KFC lasagna. So the credit for that recipe goes to, we have a lasagna left, a lasagna chef, um, in Georgia, Chase Tadaro, who owns a, a catering company. And I literally, we called him the day we found out about the grant, we called him that night and we're like, Chase, like we need a KFC lasagna recipe for tomorrow for our Facebook live. <laughs> and he like left his dinner party and was looking at the menu online and, and uh, he's amazing. So, that's so fun. So that's how I can't take credit for the recipe, but I can take credit for the video and for, and for, uh, wow. Uh, Going, going to KFC that night. Are you so excited about your life? I'm so excited about your life. Like, this Aww. is so amazing. Aww. Really. Thank you. I'm really excited. I feel like I finally found my purpose. Yeah. And I think that that makes, this doesn't feel like work because mm -hmm. my, my purpose is just helping as many people as possible. And mm -hmm. if I'm doing that every day, it just feels like, um, you know, yeah. It's wow. wonderful. And now you get to come on podcasts and just talk about what you're doing for fun. <laughs> which is great yeah and you guys are awesome um thank you yeah. oh my gosh can we come to maui and visit you anytime and we'll, we'll, we'll help you we'll pass out lasagnas we'll cook lasagnas yeah that's the we'll only hang out on the beach and we'll have mai tais right karina Open invitation. <laughs> yeah some some mai tai lasagna mix i oh wonder what that mai tai would taste all right, like karina, that's our next that'll be our next a mai tai lasagna chocolate i made a tiramisu lasagna 
Oh, yum. You had me at tiramisu. Okay, let's do it, girl. Oh, we got to ask you to say two words before we leave. And that's just kick it. Kick it. No. Uh-uh. With, with feeling. With feeling? Let's kick it. Kick it. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Love it. Amazing. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Media Casters. You can keep this conversation going and kick it with Karina and Jules in live office hours each week. Visit themediacasters.mn.co to sign up. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe whenever you listen. Let's kick it.